right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Tuesday, July 28th, 2020, and I am Detroit sports writer Nolan Bianchi here today, as always, with longtime Red Wings fan Ethan Smith. Hi, guys. What's Hi, going Nolan. on? What's going on? How are you? Same old stuff. Just working, working my life away. Same old stuff. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a full episode. We're going to be looking back, or we're going to be projecting the expansion draft, uh, and the players that the Red Wings will protect in that. But for today, we've got another draft profile for you guys featuring Tony Ferrari of DauberProspects.com. Today we're looking at Jamie Drysdale, the defenseman, who after talking to Tony, I got to say, he's a promising player. He's really interesting, but he's also a really polarizing player, and I kind of knew that going in. But after kind of talking to Tony, it's it's just going to be really intriguing to see where he goes because he could go top five, but he could also not go until 12, 13. It's going to be it's going to be kind of fascinating how this draft plays out. You know, I was, I was I he talks a lot about his transition game and being able to read plays and develop, you know, a process of how these players are coming at him and his ability to stop that and then transition back up into the play and find his teammates. I'm, and that's really something that we're lacking in our defensive end. And it's something that's very interesting to think about looking into the future of this team. We'll see how he fits into the Red Wings organization. Uh, see what, you know, the pros of taking him at four, the cons of taking him at four and explore much, much more. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, like I said, with that projection uh, of protected players in the 2021 expansion draft. Be sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast uh, so you can have that waiting for you when you wake up in the morning. We do it every day. It's your team every day. It's a Lockdown Podcast Network. It's a Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We're happy to have you. We'll see you, to, we'll see you at the end of the episode. Fenderoff gives him the business. All right, we're here with uh, Tony Ferrari, Director of North American Scouting for DauberProspects.com and co-host of the Dauber Draftcast. Draft uh, you can find that anywhere you get your podcasts as well as YouTube. We're going to move into Jamie Drysdale here, uh, another player that you did a deep dive in. If you had the chance, I would highly recommend going out and reading that. Uh, you, you do great, great deep dives. You got video, you got, you know, break it down every, you know, every kind of attribute that a player can have. Uh, and, and in it, you know, well, I guess, you know, with Jamie Drysdale, I feel he's one of the more polarizing players in that top five, top 10, because he's not necessarily like just thrown into the lump that all the forwards are, but he's a guy who can go, I mean, th three, four, you know, wherever, but he could also slide, you know, who, who knows if Jake Sanderson is able to kind of take that number one defenseman, you know, thing from him, uh, What's your overview of Drysdale and kind of where do you have him slated within that conversation of all players and then all defensemen? Well, with Jamie Drysdale, like you said, he's a little bit of a polarizing player. Um, on my rankings, I always go best player available in that sense. So on my rankings, I have I actually have him at eight or nine. And he's, he's the top defenseman on my board, but I think this, this forward class is just so high end. But in, in reality, the last time a defender didn't go in the top five was 2003. So the likelihood of Drysdale going in the top five or, or even maybe Sanderson, like you said, sneaking to that top five, um, I, I think it's going to happen. I think Drysdale is going to end up being the guy that ends up going. Uh, maybe it's Ottawa. Maybe it's Detroit. Maybe Detroit does decide to go with another defenseman. Um, I, I think Drysdale is a really smart mobile defenseman, and that's, 
that's kind of the key of his game. He's such a, a good skater. Um, he de- generally doesn't try to overdo himself in the defensive end because he knows his limitations there. Uh, he's, he's a positional player that, in that sense, and he's good in, tra- in defending defensive transitions. He breaks up the play at the blue line because he knows if he gets hemmed in, that's where he struggles. So he's really aggressive at the blue line. Um, one area I'd like to see him kind of push into more is, is trying to stop the play in the neutral zone. Don't even let it get in, into the defensive zone. But he's got the mobility to, to break up a play and then recover the puck himself. So um, his defensive game, I think, gets, gets ragged on a little bit because, like I said, uh, when he does get hemmed in the zone, there are concerns there. His, his net front presence isn't really negligible at all. He does, he's not there. Um, but he, he's excellent in transition, and he doesn't get hemmed in the zone very often because of that. So I think defensively he gets a bad rap sometimes, but I think he's actually quite a good modern-day NHL defensive defenseman. Um, in terms of his offensive game, it's all based on his mobility. The, kid, the kid's a, a transition machine. He's able to get up the ice with ease. He's, he's an excellent, excellent skater. He's, he's, he's got the agility and, and elusiveness to get by guys in the, uh, in the neutral zone. He may not have the most high-end top-end speed, but he, he's able to, to kind of get by that with, with the agility and the, the elusiveness. Um, in the offensive zone, I don't know if he's going to – he's not going to be a Kale McCarr-type defenseman, I don't think. But in, in that sense, we, when Kale McCarr was being drafted, we didn't say Kale McCarr was going to be this kind of defenseman either. Yeah. Um, there, there's room for offensive growth. I think his, his offensive game is a little bit more, more raw than a lot of people – um, kind of give him credit for. I think he's he's got some more room to grow, and I think he he's a rare case of a guy that doesn't shoot a lot, but when he shoots, he's really effective. Um, in, in when he does shoot, a lot of times he's he's pushing into the, that high danger area. He's pushing into the slot, and when he does that, he's a really effective defenseman in that sense. Um, his bread and butter though is, is going to be his passing game. He's able to find find guys all throughout the zone. He's able to kind of He's one of the rare defensemen that I think can can use the defensive players that are uh, opposing him to to kind of create passing lanes himself. He he almost has a little bit of manip- manipulation to his game where he's able to influence the way defenders are going, and he's he has the skill to pass maybe cross body or against the grain, and and he's able to do it with accuracy. So that's a big thing with him. Do you think that the whole you know the, the kind of explosion of Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, those type, those defensemen within the last year or two is something that maybe kind of has elevated him in the minds of a casual fan who just watches a highlight clip or something like that and, and kind of helps push him into that conversation as a top four, top five eligible player in this year's draft? Yeah, I think with, with guys like Kale McCarr and like he's said Quinn Hughes and Mira Heiskin and Rasmus Dahlin, all these, we're kind of in the golden age of the young defenseman right now. Like this the league's in really good shape moving forward with their defenders. And, and I, I think it's really exciting. And, and now every year with the draft, we're going to be like, who's that, who's that next guy that joins that group. And, and realistically, we're not going to get the, the, one of those guys every year. Those are really special, special players. Um, I, I liken Jamie Drysdale a little bit more to Bowen Byron last year. Uh, I don't think he's got that true number one upside, but I think he's going to be a really, really high end number two guy. I think uh, if you have a, a high-end defensive player, you can pair him on that top line. And I've kind of said this a few times, but if you were to be able to pair Jamie Drysdale and Jake Sanderson, that would be like the most legit top pairing in the NHL. <laughs> They'd be perfectly complimentary of each other, and they're both really, really good mobile defensemen. But um, Jamie Drysdale is that offensive side of the coin in that would be in the, would be the offensive side of the coin in that pairing. 
Um, he's a guy that kind of, like I said, he dictates play with the way he's able to maneuver around the offensive zone and he's able to kind of faint one way and pass the other or, or just get around guys with his really good hands. Uh, that's just kind of Jamie Drysdale's game. He's, he's a really smart player from the defensive uh, blue line and he, he's excellent in transition. Now, Jake Sanderson uh, is somebody who I've seen, uh, not necessarily from you, but just kind of in general compared to uh, the, the prototype of a Mo Sider type of player. Assuming that everything works out, Mo Sider, you know, turns out to be a top two defenseman. Do you see him pairing with Drysdale in the same way? I could definitely see them them kind of paired up in the same way as uh, Jake Sanderson, like I alluded to. Um, I, I think I was a huge Mo Sider guy last year. I, I had him like 11th on my board at the end of the year. And when he went sixth, everyone was shocked. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I, I, I loved his game last year. I, I, I did a, one of my first deep dives I did last year was on him and, and he was just a guy I loved watching. So um, yeah, pairing him with Drysdale would be, that'd be a really, really entertaining pairing because I think they complement each other really, really well with, with Sider's defensive prowess and Drysdale's uh, offensive game. Um, yeah, they'd be a really, really modern-day first pairing in the NHL. You mentioned that, uh, you know, that, that pick at number six last year. Hypothetically, if they were to go with Drysdale at number four, I think it would come as a shock to a lot of people, but it would solidify to me that kind of defensive prospect pool, and then you could say, okay – well, now we can start, you know, building up the middle and all that other stuff. What are the merits in your mind of kind of trying to solidify your top prospects on the back end uh, of play like that? Well, I think you look at a lot of the teams that win Stanley Cups outside of maybe Pittsburgh, and, and they've all got, like, the studs on the back end. Um, Pittsburgh was rocking Ron Hainsey back there, and, I mean, respect to that, but that's not something I do if I want to win the Stanley Cup, to be completely honest. Like, um, I think – Building from the back end, you, you need one of those big horses back there. And in doubling your odds by by injecting your prospect pool, Jamie Drysdale and Mort Sider in back-to-back years, that, that's a great way to do it. Because in, in all likelihood, one of those guys at least are going to be top-pairing defensemen. And likely the second the other guy, if he doesn't pan out to his full ceiling, is going to be a second-pairing guy. And if you can get those two guys to anchor down your top two pairings, I mean, you're laughing, I think. Uh, you know, you mentioned he's not necessarily a guy with – with top end speed, but he makes up for it with his deceptiveness, his ability to manipulate. What impresses you most about his skating ability? Uh, I think it's just his edge work. He's able to kind of cut and weave around the ice and, and really utilize his edges and, and, and kind of elude guys. He, he's one of these guys that he's almost able to turn on a dime. And I, I've watched guys miss checks on him so many times this year in open ice and I've seen him duck guys along the boards. I think he's just really in control of his body when he's skating. And I think he's able to kind of move in, 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 in all four directions. He's a, he's a really good lateral skater as well. Um, the way he walks along the blue line, I, I've seen him pull away from guys skating sideways. So I, I think he's a guy that his skating is going to be what kind of takes him as far as it does. What impresses you the most about the way he operates in the offensive zone? And what do you think he uh, could grow into as far as an off end zone offensive player on the back end? Well, like I said earlier, he doesn't shoot a ton, but when he does, he's really effective. Um, so I don't think he's going to ever be a, end up being a really high end goal scoring defenseman. Um, I think he's going to be a really high end facilitator though. He's going to be a guy that can kind of quarterback the power plays. He's, he's going to be a guy that, I think it, you look at Detroit's prospect pool and you got a guy like uh, 
Chalowski maybe is a power play guy and, and Philip Ronick and I mean Morris Sider I think could be a really good second power play guy but I think Jamie Drysdale would fall to the top of that list in terms of the defensive prospects that you're looking to take over your power play in a few years um the, the way he's able to kind of control the thing the the offensive zone he's able to kind of walk down to the half walls he's able to switch down and uh, he's a guy that I, I've seen skate around the offensive zone, and, and you're not going to be able to do that all the time at the NHL level, but uh, Jamie Drosdale's a, a really high-end skater, so he might be able to do it more often than most players, and as a defenseman, that's, that's really special. Um, like I said, he's able to kind of spot guys across the ice and, and uses that deception that I was talking about to draw defenders in. He'll, he'll skate somewhat down the half wall to draw the, the low defenders on the power or penalty kill in, and immediately send a pass to the backside of the net where a guy is now pulled away from a defender. Um, he, he reads what the defense is giving him, and he just takes advantage of that. And I think that's kind of what he does in the power play best. I think it's an interesting point that you bring up about him not necessarily being a guy who, uh, you know, maybe lead the team in, in points as a defenseman or whatever. And I think, you know, uh, the casual fans look at guys who are in this conversation. The first thing you want to do is look at their points per game. And I, and I just appreciate that you make the point about him being a facilitator because just because those points don't show up doesn't mean that he's not having an impact on the offensive zone, despite the fact that, yes, he did, what was it, 0.95 points per game he averaged? Yeah. Time? Yeah, it was almost a point a game, guy. So I, I think the offensive production could be there, but I don't think – I don't see Jamie Drysdale being a guy that's a 60-, a 70-point defenseman. I, I think he's a 45-point, 40, 50-point defenseman maybe in a career year. And I, I think he's, like you said, a guy, he's more of a facilitator. He's a guy that's going to – he's going to get the play to where it's ready to score. He may not be the guy that's directly contributing to the goal, but he's going to be the guy that kind of transports the puck up the ice and, and make sure everyone's set and ready to go. And he takes advantage of that situation. Uh, in your deep dive, you called him an average in zone defender at best. And one of the things you kind of pointed out was that he can sometimes become a little bit lackadaisical in front of the net. Is that your biggest concern with his play in the defensive end? Yeah, that's kind of my biggest concern with him is there, there are times where um, in front of the net, he, he just kind of ignores guys. He, he lets guys stand in front of the netminder. I've seen him at times where there's two, two attacking players, one on each side of the netminder, and he's just kind of screening the goalie in front of between those two guys, and he's not doing a whole lot. He's, he doesn't really engage physically with guys in front of the net, and when he does, he often loses that battle because he doesn't have the strength, and he's not a really big defenseman. Um, I think he's a guy that's going to have to build up that strength. He's going to be a guy that I don't think he's going to be in the NHL next year. And I don't think he may not be in the NHL the following year even. I think he might be a couple years wait because I think he's going to have to put on some of that strength and some of that size because he is a small defender right now. And he's a guy that gets pushed around a little bit. Um, I think he, he does a really good job at shadowing guys along the boards. But as soon as it gets to the point where he has to engage physically and, and kind of really push up a guy up against the boards to engage in a board battle, that's, again, where he struggles. And, and that's why he's, he's an average defender at best while he's hemmed in the zone because while he's able to kind of use his stick and poke the puck free and then use his mobility to take it away, if the guy's protecting the puck well, if he's going up against a guy like Marco Rossi, um, he's not going to be able to do a whole lot because Marco Rossi's going to be able to protect the puck, use his low center of gravity, and just kind of get by him with his strength. Is is the the lackadaisicalness? Is that something that to you, a player can be kind of trained out of or can groomed out of, or is that more of an instincts thing in your mind? 
Uh, especially with a lot of young defenders. It's something I think that can get trained out of them. Uh, you, you look at most, most young defenders, and this is kind of the area where they struggle. Um, I think that a lot of young defenders are a little bit better than Jamie Drysdale. He'd be slightly below average, I think, in this area. But I, I don't think it's something that you can at least get him to be at least adequate at, at the NHL level. I think he's a guy that if, if you work with him, and like I said, you take that development slow. You don't need to rush a guy like this because if you, if you do let him develop for two more years maybe, then he's a guy that he can come in and he can take that step right into the top four and really contribute. Um, but he's got to get that strength, and I think he's got to kind of bulk up a little bit. and Not too much to lose his mobility because that's the key to his game, and if he loses that, he's, he loses what's specials. But I, I think he does need to get a little bit stronger. All right, it's, uh, it's draft day. The Detroit Red Wings are on the clock, and you're Steve Eisenman. What's one reason you draft Jamie Drysdale at number four and one reason you pass? Uh, one reason I draft Jamie Drysdale is, is because you can kind of foil him with Mart Sider. You get that offensive defenseman to do more outside defensive defenseman. And I think in reality, I think both guys end up kind of being two-way guys and being able to kind of contribute a little bit at both ends themselves. Um, if you're going as to why you don't draft them, I think you just – you can't – it's hard to pass up on all the high-end offensive talent. Uh, there's there's probably seven or eight guys that I choose offensively in front of him. And, and I think that in today's game, your forwards are, are your big difference makers and – Unless you're getting an absolute stud defenseman, I don't think you pass on a high-end, high-end forward like that. Um, so I think Jamie Drysdale's that tier right below that high-end defenseman that you pass on a guy like uh, Marco Rossi or Lucas Raymond for. All right. Once again, that was a uh, big thanks to Tony Ferrari. We got him coming on next week to, to profile Marco Rossi and Lucas Raymond. Really... He's really high on Lucas Raymond, guys. I'm going to tell you that right now. I think what he's going to say about Lucas Raymond is going to surprise a lot of you. So be sure to tune in for that and uh, tune in tomorrow. We've got a projection for who the Red Wings will protect in the 2021 expansion draft and uh, a little reaction to the Seattle Kraken and the team name, the logos, the jerseys, all that good stuff. So we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. It's your team every day.